0: Welcome to my very first interview on Love Service Wisdom. It's with um, my sweetheart, East Forest. He was kind enough to be willing to have this conversation with me. And it was sort of fun for us to get into. Uh, and I think the listeners will like it as well, especially fans of his, because, you know, he's talking a lot about Ramdas recently in his project with him and also his Music for Mushrooms project as well. And so because I've heard those stories and had those conversations many, many, many times, I wanted to talk about something different. So we begin this conversation talking a little bit about his studio that he's building here at my home in Boise, Idaho. And we talk about that for the first, I don't know, five minutes or so. And then we get into um, just the more deeper conversation about himself as a teacher and the role of a teacher and then vulnerabilities about being a teacher and our own personal processes and thoughts around that topic. And I feel like it's pretty interesting and goes kind of deep. And like I said, we're both quite vulnerable in the conversation. And uh, yeah, we kind of take it from there. And so perhaps talk about some more Philosophical subjects than just the kind of like, what are you doing? How are you doing it? type of things. So, this is my first conversation with East Forest, Krishna, as he's also known. Here it is. Enjoy. Welcome to my podcast, East Forest.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: Uh, I appreciate you joining me today.
1: Yeah, I'm. R- excited. Where are you right now? Um, I'm in a den of iniquity <laughs> of teenage love.
0: <laughs> what does that mean? Explain I'm in your to our listeners. Bedroom. That's where I am. <laughs> we we're in my daughter's bedroom. Slashy, my desk is in here. Don't judge me. It's a small house. We're making yeah, you probably s-
1: should put the condition that that's also where your office is. It's not like, <laughs> this is just where, yes, it's the place of inspiration.
0: <laughs> Slash desk. Yeah. Bookshelf. Corkboard. Yep. Yeah, so thanks for joining me. Yeah, we're here in Boise, Idaho together. And we're doing one of my very first podcasts for Love, Service, Wisdom. And you've been really generous and supportive and- helping me to get started. So we're doing about, just kind of a fun test run conversation here.
1: It's a real conversation.
0: It's a real conversation.
1: I hope this has value. It's not just like a fluffy test.
0: This is the real deal. cut out the fluff then, okay?
1: Oh, okay.
0: And uh, it's interesting to talk to you in this scenario too because I feel like we know each other really well. And I've heard a lot of your stories. But I'd love to hear more. And I know our listeners clearly haven't heard as much as I have about you. But um, we could get into some fun things, I think, as a couple who's talking to each other during a podcast. Promise
1: not to fight.
0: We don't fight. I'm
1: joking. Nobody (laughs) wants to hear that.
0: I mean, we could pretend, but it doesn't really happen.
1: (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) It does happen.
0: (laughs) Hold it, buddy.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can get into anything you like.
0: So... You know, I know you're talking a lot about your project with Ram Dass, and I know you're talking a lot about your project with Music for Mushrooms. And I'm curious if there's something that you're working on that you're not talking about too much that perhaps we could use as a jumping off point.
1: Mm, like musically? Sure. Well, I'm building a studio at in your external garage. That's on my mind a lot these days. And, you know, I'm thinking about like, what to do next and I'm all sorts of stuff like that but I'm thinking about live performance and ways to change that up and always innovate and dreaming for things that I'd like to do many years from now or maybe not so many years
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so the music studio you're working on and that's just getting started how soon do you think you'll be making music out of the space
1: well I I, well, so as you know, there's the music studio in Utah that Ron Johnson and Steve-O put together, Ron's studio at um, Boulder Mountain Guest Ranch, which is still my studio. And it's the jam, but I'm up here a lot in Boise, so I just needed a place to work when I'm up here to keep the workflow going. Mm-hmm. So imagine the studio in Boulder, Utah, but this one's like less expensive. Yes. <laughs> but it's going to look awesome.
0: It will be incredible, and to your credit, you've made it work so far. Where I know you worked on a lot of the Ram Dass music and have done remixes and whatnot from the kitchen table, and your spot in this in the basement, and and
1: then in, yeah, took them to Utah and made them fancier. Yeah, it's yeah. been a real hodgepodge, but that's how a lot of modern music is these days. It's kind of like that from the kitchen table to the cafe to the tour mm-hmm. van to the studio, for sure. And it has to be that way, unfortunately. Or maybe fortunately, I started. Actually, we just got back from Java Coffee House, a few blocks from here. You and
0: I, yeah, we biked down mm-hmm. there,
1: and that's where, I, for some reason, I was getting in this flow when writing a lot of the Ram Dass stuff. Because I was more in like, think of it like brainstorm time, where you're just like throwing stuff against the wall. Mm-hmm. You don't know, like, well, I don't, I don't want to attach to any ideas. I just want to make ideas, and later on, I'll try to cobble this together. And so I was even trying different types of writing, like whether playing something on just the piano and recording a piano versus all the way to like just a midi keyboard and you know making stuff with just a k- computer and a little mini keyboard and i went to that coffee shop and did a track and it was soul land. Oh wow. I mean it was just that's where that riff was yeah. and i was just and so i kept going back to that coffee shop several times like i'm going to go back with that shitty little keyboard <laughs> and and right there cuz i there's something about getting out of your um, left brain. Mm-hmm. You know, I've told you how I like to write lyrics about driving because it somehow just flows out of me better. I think it's because you're engaged in these other tasks and maybe there's something about that public element. Maybe that's why people like to go and sometimes write.
0: Yeah, I wrote a I lot at coffee shops. I do. I have done a lot of working in coffee shops on my computer and things like that. What do you like writing, about for sure. it? What do I like about it? I love one, the change of scenery. I feel like when I'm at my home working, all of a sudden I uh, the toilet becomes really important that it gets cleaned now. Oh, I thought you
1: were going to say using it. <laughs> so, it's like, I'm always thinking it's about like, using the toilet. just say like
0: <laughs> chores will come into my mind. So it's like, oh, I should take care of this thing. All of a sudden that comes becomes like a top priority. That's resistance. You know, exactly. the war of art. Exactly. Totally. So when I go to a coffee shop, I'm removed from the element of my house with all the other distractions of the things I could should do. And it's like, oh, no, I'm here to work. Plus, number two, I'm caffeinated, energized. And, um, you know, I think it just kind of feels good to be in that scene and like maybe a comfy seat and there's folks around. We're all working. There's like this energetic support system, too, of the other folks that are doing their meetings and their computer stuff where it's like, yeah, we're working
1: it's not normally how I want to work at all. Like I don't normally want to go to a coffee shop. It's not, it's not something I really repeat, but for some reason in that period of time, I think it, like you're saying, I think for me, it taps into that element of distraction as a way of getting certain top level brain functions out of the way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So anyway, uh, some of it was done there. And one, one of them was that Solant track. And I think one of the reasons that track is mostly, uh, electronic is because of that i was just using like internal computer synths mm-hmm. there's one little uh on the sn- this is nerdy but the snare drum you know mm, da, da, da. anyway it's a japanese um like snap thing my parents brought back from japan mm-hmm. and that's the snare
0: what that's did you have it in your pocket you had recorded it i
1: brought up a whole bunch of percussiony stuff i was sitting at your kitchen table to okay. record uh, on just a mic yeah Cause I just done actually a podcast with Eric Gilbert, and I had the mic set up at your kitchen table. Yes. So I was doing like different things like that.
0: Yeah, I remember you being camped out there for a while, which was beautiful <laughs> and wonderful and Studio incredible. Studio is being built.
1: It is being <laughs> built. It is being built.
0: No, I love it. I love it. I love having you here working on the music and knowing that so much of it came from just the space and then fine tuned, like you said, down at the Boulder Rock Studio.
1: Yeah, you need a you need a space to do critical final mixing that's a real space where you can really hear what you're doing. It's oh, You can kind of these days make things, but it's yeah, mixing's a very, mixing and mastering, I don't master my own stuff, but mixing is a very particular detailed thing. Mm-hmm. And really what we're doing at the studio in, the, in your backyard is creating a listening room. It's a lot of work just to get the sonics how you want them in a room. It's just a room to set up really good speakers in to make, Important small decisions. Yes. So people can listen on an iPhone.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you really want to talk about?
0: So I know you're working on the studio and you've been working hard on your projects, but something, you're else, something else you seem to be getting into more is teaching. And um, you're doing that through the retreats. And I feel like you do that some through your podcasts and even through your meditations that you offer through your podcasts. Uh, so tell me more about that, yourself as a teacher a slashy musician.
1: It's a, definitely an edge for me because on one hand, I noticed that I want to be a teacher, so to speak, quote unquote. And I'm also kind of uncomfortable with that word. And I sometimes try to look and investigate where that desire comes from. Mm-hmm. So I can prop myself up and say, on one hand, I have something to share. And so it's, let's share it. And on the other side, I can say, well, you're just trying to prop up your ego and find a, a deeper, even more senses of validation.
0: Do you feel like that's really true, though?
1: Well, it's definitely part of it.
0: But you, you admit that wanting to be a teacher is partly just your ego.
1: Well, the rabbit hole gets deeper. I mean, in a lot of ways the skills and the things that you're, or sort of like the makeup of your personality, even the challenging parts perhaps, are sort of this perfect recipe for you to do the work that you do. I often see it that way. And at the same time, like the work that I have to do on that stuff personally, my personal dharma, it, it all fits in perfectly. So in some ways, like for instance, my, as a kid too, I liked being the center of attention. Yeah, you know, I got the class clown award in third grade. That part of me helps feed me to continue to have this as partial desire to like do the work and step out there and be a public figure. Otherwise I'd probably say like I don't need to do this.
0: So I guess my question would be, do you feel like because part of you enjoys it that it's a bad thing? Well, I or have judgment about that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I guess what
1: I'm saying is it's both. Or maybe it's not a bad thing, but I noticed that about myself.
0: You notice that you enjoy it? Yes. Okay. Yes,
1: well, I very much enjoy <laughs> teaching.
0: <laughs> well, wouldn't you say to perhaps like, quote unquote, your student, you should, it could be good to do the things that you love, that that might be a sign that it's actually meant for you.
1: I guess what I'm uncomfortable with is the this relationship of student and teacher. I don't okay. feel, there's an inherent inferiority Thing there and superiority. And maybe that's what I'm uncomfortable with.
0: Yeah, it's that's a great conversation. I just had this conversation with Paul and Susan. You know, we met this morning to talk about our new meditation studio, Source. And teacher, guru, the student-teacher dynamic, not wanting to have gurus. Um, what does Susan say? There's a phrase, sage on the stage versus guide on the side as a different way to shift that dynamic of student teacher and we kind of landed on the word guide versus teacher because i see a guide as like i think of like when we go down to boulder and do our retreats we're looking for guides you know to take us out on a hike or go back country yeah, yeah and it's like a guide something that's like oh i know this landscape right i've been out here so many times and i know the trails and i know the animals out here and i know the plants out here and i know the landscape and because I've been out here so much and have this experience. I can take you out here in a safe way and introduce you to elements that I know of. And you could kind of take it or leave it, but I'll create this journey for you into a territory that I know. And so that's kind of how we were framing the student-teacher relationship where student-teacher can be more like, well, I know these things and you don't know it and you need to learn them and I'm going to tell you. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, It's... I do like to also add the element of sharing things, I guess, that are from my own experiences to kind of like saying, well, hey, you know, this is what this is what I've learned or this is something that works for me. But uh, I don't want to be in a total passive role where I'm only, um, saying, well, you know, I'm just going to facilitate your own awakening in a sense. I mm-hmm. do like to share my own experience in a sense, but there is a fine line and a dance. I notice when doing that of not saying like, this is the way it is, or this is the thing that I do believe
0: right. or anything
1: really. It's just sort of dancing between dogma and experience. Yeah.
0: Which is a really huge point. again, like with the, like the hiking guide I think it's like well this plant actually does have a name and that's what this is what it is like in the spiritual quote unquote world this thing or this path does have a name it's what it's called or this this whatever is called this and you experience it in your own way and so then your experience of the specific thing becomes the important piece but there are people that know let's just say the names of things that you don't know and so it's helpful to go to them Right.
1: Yeah, particularly for methods and practices. Mm-hmm. I think for myself, I'm often speaking about things that are unknowable and in some ways unspeakable. And that's where I run into a fine line where it's like, um, I'm, I'm always trying to be honest about that with myself. And there's sort of a filter inside me saying like, uh, I, that's why I like music. Because mm-hmm. when I play the music for them, it is... Uh, a metaphor. Right. It is a representation of the mystery. When we start using words, you have to use the poetry, you have to use ways of dancing around it. Because anytime I say it's this, well, it ain't.
0: True. <laughs> and it feels like this journey also is one through. From the beginner's sense, this like the starting out seeker, like I want to know and I need to know the landscape so that I can let it all go and feel like I don't know. Because you are going towards a place of unknowing, really. But you have to go through the gateway of trying to know or wanting to know and then you let all of that go.
1: There was a great, um, I was talking to Eric Davis today Mm -hmm. and this phrase came up that he said that the mystery has no edges. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. And and this idea that like, you can't find, it's one thing to be like, well, you're never going to find the mystery. It's called the mystery. But then we'll find the edges of the room. There are none. Yeah.
0: That makes me think of David White, the poet who's often talking about the frontier and getting out to the frontier of existence, which makes me think of like that horizon, the edges, but that it's not actually an edge. Like this, that's always moving in space and time further away. Yeah.
1: I mean, what, I, knew, I think if I had to find it, Rada, on the nose of what I like and what I want to do, the desire in me for what I want to do, I like to be inspired. Like, I like listening to people who create a feeling in me. Like when I listen to Charles Eisenstein or Eckhart Tolle or Ram um, Das,
0: The feeling that they create McKenna. is what?
1: It engenders this feeling of remembering and the infinite in me. Yeah. And that's the thing that I chase in music too. And so that's something that I want to inspire in others when I am quote unquote teaching. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I like it is because when I help other people, when I sell them that bill of sale, I feel it too. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's making me think of a conversation I had recently, and I don't know who it was with, but it was around the idea of gurus. Maybe I was reading it actually in the in one of the Maharaji books, but the idea of the guru being somebody that just reminds you of the potential of what's possible. Maybe it was a Ram Dass talk. Anyways, like a guru, because that's the language they were using, is just someone who's saying through their embodied state, there's a different way of being than what you feel now. This is what it was. I was reading Christian Adidas' book and when he was talking about when he met Ram Dass for the first time back in the early 70s, he was like, oh, this guy gives me hope because of who he is and how he's living. I know now that something else is possible and I'm inspired, like you're speaking Inspiration, to. Inspiration, yeah. I'm inspired by his being in essence that I can now also feel and live a different way than I have.
1: And that's that's great. And I think a big thing I had to accept and understand and it's a bit of self-love is to realize that, oh, you don't have to be a perfect realized being to inspire others. And because we're all, we're all, <laughs> we all contain, so to speak, original sin. We're all just humans. Um, original sin is not the right word. <laughs> we all, we're all humans. We all, so it's like, yeah, there's the gross and there's a this, and you can yeah, still have moments of inspiration. you're also somebody
0: who's very, Um, keyed into walking your talk. And so you don't have to be perfect, true, because we're human, and not being insincere. Like the things that you're saying and teaching. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Really attempting to live that. I absolutely agree. I think what I'm trying to say, and I'm not saying it very well, is that you can embody in someone else what they need and you're sensing intuitively they need to Be witnessed. Tell me more
0: personal oh, oh, oh. experience about that. How do you really feel? Um, what, wh- like okay. when, like, I'm East Forest when I'm teaching, when I'm wanting to teach, sometimes I feel this way, but I'm talking about these other ways of being.
1: I don't understand, wait,
0: like the self-doubt piece, right? You're talking that you might have self-doubt around being a teacher and the way that you got around it is like, oh, I don't have to actually be perfect, right? And so it could be, sometimes I feel really depressed and upset and angry, but despite having those internal modes flash through me in my own shadow, I know I can still be a source of inspiration for people.
1: Yeah, because we all feel those things. Mm. on different levels. We all have the totality of the human experience in us. And it's not like I'm this unique being where like I'm shame because I feel sad sometimes. And so you know, I, it's saying that I can embody for that person a reflection of what they need even if that's just like um I don't I don't have to be it so to speak even though it is me too. Be one. In that moment like if they, I'm sensing you sense, you know, with someone, I think what they need is a sense of security and being heard. In that moment, I can give them fully, being fully heard, fully present with them. And I don't have to be some realized being to do that. We are the realized beings. It's like, all it takes, it's like dropping all this conditions about like, well, I need to do this or I need to do this degree or I need to meditate more before I really, I'm that guy. It's like, just be it for a second mm-hmm. and give it to them.
0: Yeah, I would say that that's probably one of your personal greatest assets is the ability for you to harness your presence and give it to others in this like direct download beam sort of way with like wrapped in like so much kindness and gentleness and sweetness because you do it to me all of the time. Like whenever <laughs> I'm needing, like whenever I'm in a state where it's like I'm a little out of alignment or slightly frayed in some way, and you sense that, you're like, hey, babe, boom. And you drop into me with that presence and listening, and it's incredibly helpful, like infinitely helpful, like priceless in your ability to do that. And I've seen you do that, of course, too, with others and students that you've had. And in that, it feels like the key element is just presence, right? Right.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, I guess, to be honest, I don't know. All I know is that I was inspired in my past by getting that from certain people. What's that? That intense presence. Mm-hmm. So we, we got that in a big way, like with Ram Dass, So giving with his presence, but I got that from Charles Eisenstein when I first met him and that was hugely inspiring.
0: What was that like for you? To describe that.
1: I felt like he was just very present and paying attention. So, I mean, on a a practical level, it's like someone who looks you in the eye and holds it as you're talking. It feels like they're soaking in every bit and not in a weird way. They're really just like, I'm right here. And then I remember I said, the first thing I said to him was something, this is 10 years ago. And I, I said, yeah, I read your book, The Ascent of Humanity. And I was trying to express, it was just powerful
0: for me. Yeah.
1: And I was fanning out. And I said, this is really important boy. for me. It's really, it's really a big deal. And then he's just looking at me and instead he said, yeah, it was really, yeah, I feel that. He's like, me too. I had that feeling too. And I was like, you're really listening to what I'm trying to express the feeling. And that's what he's trying to say. I'm reflecting. Yes, I hear you. And I I felt that too. And that was important for me. And I had that process when I wrote the book, he said. And so now if someone comes up to me and I'm blessed enough and they want to talk about the music and it's had some important Thing for them. Mm -hmm. I try to just do that. I'm like, I just really, I want to, I want to be Charles. And over time, when you do that year after year after year, eventually, it's just like when you model a speech pattern that one of your friends does when you're a kid and you like it. You're like, I want to talk. I want to say that phrase. And eventually, you just start saying it all the time unconsciously. It just becomes a habit. And so, I think it's not a unique gift. I think all of us have this easy ability to drop sure, into that kind of presence. Sure,
0: I think you have the ability. I don't think that people necessarily are doing it. I the desire, like it's becoming less common, especially with, as we know, in our modern digital era, to look up, to just even look up while we're talking to each well, other. Well, it's a
1: skill. I think the thing we're forgetting that you're bringing up is that it's the golden rule. It's Like you will, again, you will cultivate these feelings for yourself by giving it to everyone around you.
0: Absolutely. You
1: will be more seen. You will be more heard. You will be more witnessed. And it all of that helps decrease our sense of separateness. And I feel like for me, that's when I feel the worst, is when I feel the most separate, the most alone. Is um,
0: when you've cut yourself off?
1: Well, just when I feel cut off is when I feel the worst. When I feel the most connected, I feel the best. Yes. Whether it's through creativ- creativity, though, through music or... You or my partner or just any, you know how it is. Just feeling like, oh, I'm not a ghost. Like people see me and my feelings that I have this internal dialogue going on, you know, there's there's more that it's not just like the rantings of a lunatic. It's, it's it, I can be heard, I can be seen. Yeah. We all want that.
0: We do. We and, need it. And getting back to like the role of a teacher, do you think a role of a teacher could be to see somebody? with the sense of compassion and non-judgment and acceptance for where they are in their path.
1: I, that's, that's a really great thought. Yeah, yeah. maybe a great teacher is one that just is the ultimate witness and is they're using their own intuition and nuance to shift what's needed for that person in the moment as opposed to like, I'm walking with my curriculum. Really just sensing what needs how the person needs to be seen and witnessed it's the ultimate witness
0: and this idea of unconditional acceptance as well
1: unconditional love Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that seems how maharaji taught was just by giving people something they'd never experienced which was true unconditional love and something just about that alone blew them open just like in that story, and then I love myself. Oh my God!
0: Well, it's part. I love everyone. It's partnered with the idea of Maharaji knows everything about me, and, and he still, he loves, still loves, and he still loves me unconditionally. And that's, that's huge. Imagining no, that's somebody knows all of your shadow and all of your flaws and all of your ego and and the beautiful parts of yourself too, but is still saying, "I love you
1: completely." Yeah, I think none of us feel true unconditional love because love in a sense does have conditions it it can't uh, not
0: some uh, it's like agape versus eros right the higher yeah
1: we've all sensed how you can be wronged and you can people can wrong you in a way that you don't think you could come back from and things like that so i think we sense that deep down
0: that love is conditional yeah Mm.
1: yeah and and that's maybe what one of the fuels of faith and religion is this idea of like, I can can find this sort of unconditional love from only one place and it's from this mythical figure, God. I don't mean mythical in a pejorative way. I mean like a figure I can't see that's sort of like, it's only representational.
0: I guess for me, it's a different feeling where it's more like a pathway to self-love. Like if there's a being that knows me that knows everything about me and still loves me, then the key is I can love myself. And I can maybe even know myself too. Like, do I even know all of who I am also? Like this being maybe seems like they do, the omnipresence. Um,
1: but then you get into this question, like can you even know everything about yourself?
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying.
1: So then it's like, well, that's infinite. So I, I don't know. You just say, <laughs> fuck it, I'll just love myself.
0: Loving yeah. yourself seems to be a, a huge threshold for people to cross yeah. over <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and and it yeah. can be modeled and it's the slow moving path. And for me, the path is really one of loving my shadow and integrating and embracing the pieces of myself. One that I haven't been able to really witness it or accept about my own whole entire life journey and the pieces of me that I perhaps carry guilt or shame around.
1: What is that for you? What is what? What's your sh- what's the shadow for you?
0: Well, the interesting thing about the shadow is you don't know what the shadow is because it's the shadow and, the and You unconscious. must know
1: some things that it's like, you feel like you're carrying with you that.
0: Sure. I feel like I've been reflecting probably since the new year. So for about the six past six months on this idea of when we're children, we accept reality as like, this is just what reality is. And things that are way skewed or pretty fucked up or highly unusual, actually quite traumatic, you accept as, okay, that that's the way it is. Or you compartmentalize it or you shut it out. And so the process of re-looking back at my Childhood and really analyzing it and kind of seeing where I have my own personal holes or blocks or barriers. And I think my shadow is in those pieces. A lot of it through the childhood of things that I experienced that I didn't know how to deal with at the time because I didn't have skills as a child, but that um, now I'm really curious about. Does that make sense?
1: I mean, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, like... (sighs) It, it It's sort of unconscious. You want something
0: more specific? No, no,
1: no. It's all good. I'm just relating it to myself. I'm just thinking about, yeah, childhood. It's like this big murky mystery that I know totally. is really important. Uh, but we can't just say A equals B kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, well, sometimes I guess you can.
0: Like for example, <laughs> when I was just in India, I had a really profound experience like kind of during one of the Shakti pots of being a child. And it was like I was, let's say, I a think you should describe what a shakti
1: old. pot is. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't know unless a you shakti told me. A shakti
0: pot, okay. A shakti pot is an energetic transmission. This type was uh, internally generated, though the field was externally created for the awakening of prana in the body, kundalini prana, you could say, and then allowing prana, life force energy, to Take whatever form it desires or it's kind of being invoked to move into, whether that's vocal or physical or for me, it was kind of like mental, these memories that were coming, right? And so I was having this flood of memories of when I was a year or two old and then i started sobbing and it was this feeling of being a child and really missing my mother and this whole like mother disconnection like was flooding through me and i hadn't ever had that experience before i hadn't ever consciously recalled feeling such deep sorrow and so for example that's part of my shadow that i'm integrating where when it came up it was like whoa I didn't even know that that was in there. Like, I think mm. people think sometimes you know what your shadow is, right? Sure. But there's a lot of your shadow that you don't know.
1: That sounds like a level of grieving that never happened.
0: Yeah. And it, grief can be a big one that causes that, that causes you to have unprocessed shadow, let's say. And so you could look at it like, I'll just make this up. Like it's all energy, right? Like in that moment when I was a year or two old and I was having that moment of missing my mother, the energy wasn't expressed. And so the energy stayed with me even as I grew. And so having the Shakti pot where the pranic was, prana was releasing I was just reliving it to transmute it. And that's the integration process of like, okay, now I lived it and felt it fully and then it's been released.
1: Mm, But yeah, sounds healthy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess. And then, but what the question it brings up for me too is like, where, what else is in there? What else is in there? Totally. Past lives. Exactly. Yeah. And so,
1: talking in tongues. (laughs) I
0: also had this thought the other day, I feel like I've been a lot more sensitive, like, um, sensitive to my own level of internal pain in my own level of internal. Emotional or physical? Yeah, emotional, emotional pain. Hmm. And I feel like I've recently become more sensitive to the level of global pain too. And so my thought was, I, it was like, oh, I felt like I'd been on this process of awakening for like you know 20 years, but I feel like I'm now finally really starting to awaken through this process of really feeling my own internal pain.
1: It just sounds to me like another peeling of the onion.
0: Yes, that's true. Like, it's just, this is the layer. This is where you're at now. This is the body layer, the energetic layer that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. I'm just noting that I don't think I've been quite this deep in it Mm. before.
1: It couldn't have been, right? Like, all that stuff led to this layer and then the next layer. Exactly. All the way to the Higgs boson. Apparently, that's the God particle. That's the end.
0: (laughs) Is that that's where like a we're physics going? Joke. Huh? Is that where we're going?
1: Um, no. Well, I, no, of course not. We can build bigger. This—that's my favorite thing about searching for smaller and smarter smaller quantum particles—is the devices have to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And <laughs> right now, they're—they're they're discussing building one that's like—they already have the one in CERN goes through two countries, I think. But they want to build one that's sort of like ridiculous in size, as if and they're like, well, because then then we'll be able to find the really smallest thing, the building blocks. It's ridiculous. They call it the God God particle, meaning, oh, then we're God because we understand now how everything's made. And and the funny, I'm just talking out of my ass because I'm not really an expert in this, but this is what I love. They announced that they found it last year, but they actually only found the evidence of what they think it is, meaning it's after effects. But they're like, we, if we don't say we found it, the billions of dollars that have, you know were screwed. So they're like, we found it. We found it. As you can see, this residue here that we think that is the echo of, of that is the that, that means we. The found image the that's Higgs coming boson. to
0: mind is like a slug that's along the sidewalk and it leaves that slimy trail. It's like they found the slimy trail. Not even trail. that.
1: Not even. It's more like other things reacting to the slimy trail. <laughs> there are evidence that that must be the slimy trail. Oh, there are the ants here, that's so at there the speed must of light. have been a yeah. slimy trail. So <laughs> the there must have that been a moves slug. moves at the speed of light. That's a great way to look at it. (laughs) Yeah. That's what the CERN particle accelerator is. Anyway. um, Yeah. So we can wrap up this discussion about teachers and stuff, but um, I I think I'm just uncomfortable with that word because I don't feel like we need this model. We need people to teach us stuff they know, like skills. I think that's perfect in paths. And like you said, methodologies that makes a lot of sense like if you're a black belt you've got techniques to teach if you're a carpenter you have teach to teach the person who wants to be a carpenter but it's real tricky when things are effusive and fuzzy well like you're dealing with
0: the internal versus the external exactly. and so it's the you in in any in the languaging of it it's just a symbol because you can't externalize it you can only point towards the experience of it that's why
1: i like music 'Cause that's all it does is point towards the thing, the mystery.
0: Yes. And from great, the edges
1: where there is no edge. A great
0: teacher will do that as well. Okay. Yeah. And well, it's just about how do we get you to experience it?
1: Well, I think the kind of great teachers, I, I, I have I wonder how many I've walked across, but the ones that I have I feel like tricksters. And there's this element of tricksterism.
0: Trickster meaning playful?
1: Playful and also uh pulling
0: <coughs> excuse me.
1: Playful and also pulling the rug out at times in like very I mean Maharaji was this way. Right? It's sort of like you can't you can never quite put your finger on it. Or like when court will talk to him for four hours, he gives you a reading at the end and says, This is all metaphor. I don't expect you to believe it. You're like, well what's true and what's not? All of it, none of it, I won't tell you. I don't know.
0: So it's like the ability to throw like a boomerang over there Um, it's just not like straight lining it this is the only way because it isn't there
1: isn't a way and it's always sort of by reminding that reminding your brain it's like just when you think you have your chapter and can close it it sort of says to be continued
0: here's I've got a thought about it though It's, it's a slight tangent but I was just musing on this the other day about this idea of teachers teachers aren't good gurus aren't good that energy around that I was thinking it felt almost like hyper American western individualism of like well I've got to figure it out my own way and I should be able to do it on my own it's all about me and what I need and I don't need anybody else to tell me and I think that that's not quite true like I think that there's there is actual inherent value in looking up to like let's say the wisdom of the elders right who have been there and who have walked the walk and they have learned things along the way versus like the younger mindset of, no, well, I know, or, or if I don't know, I need to figure it out for myself. You're
1: absolutely right. And I know I'm just speaking from my own baggage. And at the same time, I sense that these days with the democratization of information we have, we don't need gurus anymore, but we do need teachers Or we do need elders. We do need wisdom. And I know that's sort of like, what are you saying, Krishna? Well, for you
0: then, the word guru carries some baggage.
1: We don't need guys on stage. uh, I know this is ironic.
0: (laughs) A white guy on stage?
1: Yeah. Talking down, saying this is the way it is. You need to like earn this spot kind of thing. I think it's more of a circle in a way Mm
0: -hmm. now. The guide on the side.
1: But it's more than a... Sure. I know we're just using semantics in a lot of ways, but... I do. I'm it's, just, it's something about giving your power over.
0: Totally. And yeah. I think we're exactly on the same page and in complete Agreement where it's for quote unquote teacher, if I can just help you understand yourself better and give you some tools that I've learned from my own experience that have helped me, maybe they will resonate with you, but you could take it or leave it. But I am who I am and living this way in my life because of, what I've learned and the path that I've walked. And these are some of the things that have helped me along the way.
1: And as you said before though, and just being that witness. Yeah. You know, I think maybe that's a bigger part of it. Mm. And that's good for me to remember because like, well, I can do that. And then maybe that's a lot more than I'm giving credit for. You always think like, well, I have to give you a piece of knowledge or I have to come up with this great idea. It's like, do I? I mean, that's all helpful. But yeah. A lot of times I, all I have to do is really just wit be an anchor of the thing we all just want to be. And it's like, okay, I'll play that role right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, like Maharaji did. He didn't give teachings. He didn't really give Dharma talks. Yeah. He had a couple key things, but. um,
1: Yeah. And we, and we, we talked about uh, Maharaji the other day about how <sighs> I was thinking about my mom and I was like, what does she think about this whole thing? You know, I picked up the name Krishna and, I'm sure she heard about these cats in the 70s and stuff and doesn't fully know what it is. And if I said, how would I describe it to her? I said, I think I've described Maharaji as like, look, this is someone who is like a Buddha or a Christ in their realization and their energy. And they were just alive. And I like meeting as many people as I can that knew him personally. That's one degree of separation between me and essentially Jesus. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's not about giving my power over. It's like realizing the power it all is and And, it becomes more real.
0: Well, and for you too, and I know for me as well, yes, there's maybe a degree of separation between the person that was actually with him, but wouldn't you say that you feel like you have a very personal relationship?
1: Absolutely. But I don't so much with Jesus. Right. And he was... 2,000 some years ago and that's I think it's just helpful for me to I'm saying it, it's, it's helpful to day. me to have one degree of separation it's amazing and can you imagine if your best <laughs> friend knew Jesus Christ it's like <laughs> oh yeah you, you know you like pepperoni pizza and like this was his favorite catchphrase and like then well, he you, always did this thing with his fingers then you feel
0: more inspired like the energetic potency is higher
1: oh yeah 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 like you have a picture of Maharaji right there and it, it I, <sighs> I mean that picture it was a picture. Yeah, how cool <laughs> would be even a picture of Christ? True. I mean, that would change things. Cause there are people who are like he oh, he doesn't exist. Did he even say that? We don't know. You know, you really don't. Probably, but it's been it's been thousands of years. And even the Buddha was not as long ago. And I feel more connection with the Buddha, but mostly because he was a man who essentially just worked on himself really hard. And that's an inspirational to me where people say, oh, Christ was God, you're not, kind of thing. Mm. And then I'm like, well, that's a whole different ballgame. Maharaji was a man who was a realized being, but he wasn't saying, well, you know, here's the scripture, you know, follow this and maybe you can work through this torture of life. No, he was just witnessing and embodying something that is you too. You're in. Uh, it's hard to talk about. I feel you. It's just like feelings. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And it makes me think of a Dan Millman quote that I read when I was a teenager and I always loved that said something like, if you want to be enlightened, just act like you're enlightened.
1: For sh- and that is a great way of saying what I was saying before. Like I'm, all this fancy talk when I'm saying embody the thing for the person. Like, yeah. Act. Fake it till you make it. Because it actually becomes a real thing. I know that sounds trite. No. But there is some truth to that. It's sort of like.
0: There is you, truth to it.
1: You don't have to know everything because you already know everything, kind of thing.
0: And you're doing your work at the same time.
1: And you never won't be. Exactly. That's what I've had yeah. to accept. It's like, oh, there's no destination.
0: Yeah.
1: I need to stop pretending I'm going to get to the destination and then I can do this. I'm like, no, you can do it all at the same time. You can work on yourself and you can do your best at embodying it every moment. And you're going to go in and you're going to go out that is the trip in out in out in remembering, out
0: remembering forgetting
1: going to sleep waking up i mean it's embedded into our existence so much so that we we can't even see what's right in front of our face down to the physics and the math it's all one or zero right our entire internet system based off of one and zero and hmm. so it's sort of it's sort of like the playing board that we're on it's actually quite obvious in a way it's like well, no, that's the operating system so if you can accept that quit fighting against it
0: i read something today too i don't know maybe it was some kind of meme but it's a, it's a deep spiritual teaching where it's like the simple is the spiritual or the simple is the truth like yeah. the simpler it is the more closer to truth it yes is.
1: that's like truth L- with L- a L- lauren roche when he was like talking about meditation being when you're washing the dishes or yeah. you know, the I mean, that's what the, Buddhists say. Same kind of floor. idea. Oh, he said
0: that. <laughs> There's a the great Buddhist phrase. It's like, what oh, do you do after you're enlightened? You sweep the floor. After I love that. And you wash the after. dishes. <laughs> <laughs> you do the same things you always did.
1: This whole idea of like you get enlightened and then it's like part two. It's like just seems like a whole hubba blue baloney to me.
0: There's just moments, higher moments of realization, and then we forget. Exactly.
1: Then... I mean, you felt? I mean, I feel like we, that's the thing is we, we all experience enlightenment. We've experienced it many yeah. times before.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: Or, almost on the crude level, an orgasm is a moment of pure consciousness. I yeah. think yeah. If it's a good one.
0: You can think of it too, like illumination, like those aha moments. where You're like, oh.
1: It's just that moment of space. Yes. Yeah, and I would feel that when I was hiking and I would hear a certain sound and I'd have a few seconds of just floating of like, whoa, and everything would just stop. And that's what I wanted to bring back because I, I was excited about that feeling and I wanted to share it with others. And I noticed something in that sound helped transmit that same feeling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I love about music too, because it can I do that. I would
0: say that that's, I mean, as a yoga teacher, that's the motivating factor for yoga teachers is- the feeling that they have on their mats, then it's the similar, I want to share this. I want to help others to feel this way.
1: Power yoga too?
0: Power Bikram. yoga? <laughs> oh, you mean also power yoga? Yeah, the other forms of yoga. <laughs> that... <laughs> I thought you meant like level two. Um, I can't make comments on that because I don't know from that point of view, but I know from my personal practice with yoga, it's very much of creating that sense of spaciousness, yeah.
1: pause. You embody that wonderfully.
0: Thank you. But I think, again, I think that that, like on your yoga mat, the experience of Shavasana, your first Shavasana, your first corpse pose, when people go into that, it might be one of the first times in their whole life that they felt so calm and so still and so present. It's really earth shattering. It can be. right.
1: Is it, would you say it's true that um, this kind of hit me when I first started doing a little yoga was that the entire class was to get us ready to be the most receptive in Shavasana. Yes. And then I was like, oh, yes. this whole thing is a metaphor. All of our practice, quote unquote, is to prepare for the final Shavasana. Yes. Which is called, it's not, they're not even hiding it. Corpse pose. Yes. We're preparing for death.
0: <laughs> but you're not hiding it. What, didn't you say it's all in front of her face?
1: So why why is that? <laughs> why Why is it? I mean, is it because they see it like some Buddhist things where it's like you need to do a certain practice? Well, of death let's go back. It's is there an opportunity there?
0: It's about energy, right? And so in our regular daily life, we have energy blocks in our in our being, in our in our system. So the postures help us to free up blocked energy, right? So energy starts to free flow. When I deeply stretch my hip, energy is getting freed from my hip that was stuck and blocked. And then that's happening in my whole system as I move through different poses. Then when I lie on the ground and I consciously relax my muscles, this energy that was just brought to the surface now reorganizes itself through my body, through the relaxed muscles so that I become, it's like fine tuning the radio dial where I was like staticky and off frequency when I came into the practice. And then when I move things around and rest, and realigned now. I'm connected. My channel is clear. My mind is clear. The word yoga means union. So it's mind, body, heart, soul, union all coming into alignment. Basically, it's a meditation. You free up and get your body feeling good. So that you're able to drop into the meditative state through a calm mind. And your body feels peaceful enough that it's not screaming at you. Like if I try to sit and meditate and my hips and my knees and my back are bothering me, it's hard for my mind to focus. So I can I get my body right so that now that's not a, a concern. And my mind can go into the deeper interior spaces.
1: Right. I believe you <laughs>
0: <laughs> I if could talk about only that forever. I
1: had a practice that you was do
0: have a practice.
1: More regular.
0: Oh well, I know a place you could take classes.
1: I think I have a lifetime pass.
0: Well, currently you do. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's conditional. See, I told you. Yeah. I would love for you to take more yoga classes.
1: Thank you. Noted. I will. I... But,
0: I mean, there's lots of... That's just a practice, right? There's lots of ways that you can do that. You get that when you're running, perhaps.
1: Yeah, somewhat, yeah. Hiking, I mean, different ways, just different ways, different flavors. Mm -hmm. Obviously, again, music. Um, I like to work out. I just sometimes yoga, it's good for me. And sometimes I like the classes nice and short and approachable. Yes. So sometimes that's a barrier for me.
0: That it's too long and it's not approachable.
1: Yeah, it's too hard and it's too long. So it's just, I mean, I could just fight through it.
0: I've been practicing for like 20 years. And when I take a class, I always have this moment in class, usually, almost every class, where I'm like, ugh, when is this going to end? No, you don't. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You told me it's
1: like bliss, bliss, bliss. It
0: is. But internally, there's a moment where I'm like, "Grrr." I don't, why? See, I feel that like 15
1: minutes in. I'm like, we cool. This is good. We're going to wrap this up. I'm
0: telling you this because I Shavasana. think everybody feels this way. Mm. But it's like with that barrier. When you tell me when we're running, you're like, got to break through the yeah, wall, babe. Yeah. Just keep going. And
1: then it's easier.
0: So this happens on your yoga mat.
1: Well, look, I do know that after the class, almost always I have that yoga glow. So I know it's helpful. On, it's doing things that are helpful. Quite obviously, it's quite physical. So I know that's true. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I've been even going to yoga in Boulder, Utah once a week when I'm there is a big deal because that same class existed for many years. And I didn't go, hated going when I did go, I had to be dragged. Now I like try to make a point to go. And I think because it's the only one and it's only once a week, I know if I don't go, that's, that's two weeks now.
0: She's a fantastic teacher too. She's really, really, really Well, you're really a
1: fantastic good. teacher, but I think there's something about, there's only one. Like if you if you yes. had one class a week, I'd be there. But it's oh, sort of me? like there's four a day, and it's almost like oh I'll go tomorrow. You I'm know? gonna
0: teach two classes a week. I'll Not th- just I don't mean just you, but
1: <laughs> your studio has four or five a day.
0: Yes, they do.
1: And some of them are very difficult for me. Yours are great, a little more approachable for me usually, except for the power ones.
0: But you like power yin. You like if I like I like, just I like lay yin down. with a
1: touch of vinyasa flow. Okay, and it's an hour. All
0: right, we'll come. Come and it's a
1: juicy. <laughs> uh, yes, I just said juicy. Shavasana.
0: Shavasana is it, man. Oh, Shavasana is like my the, favorite pose. Even just saying it right now, my whole body perks up and kind of like melts.
1: Savasana is the, the <laughs> shit.
0: Savasana.
1: Savasana, baby.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yep.
1: So, uh, let me ask you a question before we uh, wrap this up. Sure. So what what are you what are you dreaming up with these conversations that you're going to have with people in your podcast? What do you, you know, what's not like your plan, but right? What's your intuitive? This is I want it to be this. What's the miracle? Aside from you know, talking to
0: one, I Michelle love Obama the or f- way that you say miracle. You have a particular inflection on the word. We say it again for me.
1: I don't know what it is. Now I won't say it. You want me to just say the word? Mm-hmm. What's the miracle?
0: Miracle. Yeah. Uh, what's the miracle? What's the miracle? The miracle would be that I'm able to consistently do it and have interesting conversations with people such as yourself or give meditations or have my own personal musings that I share. That are in some way inspiring to people that they listen and it's informative, it's entertaining, it's thought provoking. It's, yeah, just that. Well, it's, how do you
1: want them to feel?
0: How do I want inspired them to feel?
1: Inspired? I heard you say that word.
0: Yeah, inspired. Um, I want them to feel hopeful. I want them to feel um, a sense of connection to me, like kind of breaking down those barriers and creating more humanness between myself and these other people that I interview like you and the listener of like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah, I feel that way too. Um, so the sense that we're all in it together.
1: Well, How do you want to feel? Because maybe with, by uh, figuring that out, all you have to do then is make other guests feel that way. How do I want to way. feel
0: by doing the podcast?
1: Yeah, I'm like, I was just trying to, because it's new, like what you're dreaming up.
0: What I'm dreaming up, I'm dreaming up a platform for being able to, voice, a lot of the things I think about all the time and have a conversation with people like yourself about them um, and other people that I admire and build community that way. And then also to share things uh, personally about myself with the listener, which I think might help inspire their own journey and give a sense of humanness to this whole human experience. So they might not feel as alone in their own journey.
1: And share your melodious voice.
0: And share my melodious <laughs> voice.
1: The radio has you no more. Exactly. It needs an outlet.
0: I'm not on the radio anymore. And for years and years, honestly, I've had students say, if you would just record your voice doing meditations. Which now you're doing. I would do, I would listen to all of them. And so I'm going to do some of that. So some of it will be guided meditations, which I really enjoy uh, sharing. So, Yeah. And take it from there. This is where I think I'm going and clearly it'll take me in a new direction that I can't see yet, but I'm open.
1: So you think it'll be weekly?
0: I hope it would be weekly. Wow, awesome. I hope it will be weekly.
1: How lucky is everyone to get the free weekly Marissa Rada webner Very. It's awesome. Well, I wish you much good fortune and I will help you on the audio side.
0: You're amazing. You're very generous. I appreciate you. Immensely, you got it, and uh, you've got your own podcast. What do you get out of your podcast, personally?
1: So much money,
0: it's oh, crazy. Who? The oh pennies my... are rolling in.
1: Oh, it's I'm totally rich, it's super <laughs> rich. That's that was the weird byproduct from that podcast was the amount of money coming in. It's insane, actually.
0: Especially money to time ratio.
1: Oh my god, it, pff, I don't even think it's something I could calculate.
0: Yeah, you're you're very uh, blessed.
1: Yeah. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. Yeah, that's really what I get out of it is just feeling so blessed.
0: <laughs> Slash money.
1: So, oh, um, well, I'm blessed through the money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I. What do I like about the podcast? I like two things. It's one, I always wanted a varied outlets to dive into let's say the mystery and the music is sort of the foundation of that ship or that building and this was another it's a very it's all about words and audio and talking so it's a different flavor and a different mechanism to use to explore that and one of the wonderful byproducts is i wanted to do it through conversation with others primarily And so now I get to like, well, not only are we going digging into that, but I get to do it with all these other people. And a lot of them, I don't know that well. And so it's a wonderful opportunity to get to know somebody. You often don't realize what a gift it is to just sit down for an hour or so with someone and mostly listen. Like even when I've done it with people, I do know really well, friends, um, I still learn a lot. I'm like, I had, I never knew that about that person, or that's a really interesting idea. Or I'm, I'm you just don't do that with people you much. Don't, you and don't. you think, oh, you're like, oh, we hang out all the time. Or I've known you for 10 years. I'm like, have I ever sat down with this person and just witnessed and really, really just, really, I'm just going to listen and really probe and give all my energy into like it them.
0: Feels like an invitation to go deep. And yeah. if I recall correctly, you started it with the intention to interview people who you thought were living life
1: out of the box I think is how box. I put it yeah and it's 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 I wouldn't say it's morphed but that it's not like that's a litmus test like I have to judge someone and say you're outside the box but I, I typically find those people interesting and so now it's it's really less I was actually just thinking about today of just changing the description because I'm like well it's not so limited it's more just like I thought I couldn't just say hey I'm talking to people and we're exploring whatever comes up uh, I thought I had to define it more to make yeah. it a little more attractive. But at the end of the day, I, I, the, the things I don't want walking into a conversation is a plan. You know, I might have a few check marks of like basic things, do my research a bit, but it's like, I, I want to flow with it and I want it to feel authentic and I want it to feel at best a conversation, which is easier to do like this when we were in person. When you do them and the person is remote, it's a little harder as we all know, of like talking on a phone or something. And that's kind of its own thing. But it's still, it's still awesome. It's still a great way to connect with people. Uh, that's the part that's blown me away the most. It, you, you will, by doing it, you will get to know people better, and become connected to them. I'm very
0: them. excited for that aspect too. I am.
1: It's a real gift, actually.
0: I'm thinking about your podcast as well and the 10 laws aspect that you used to ask people. What are the 10 laws or what were the laws (laughs) that you live by that help keep your ship sailing straight?
1: Court Johnson, respect.
0: Shout out to CJ. BCJ. Can I ask you that question?
1: Oh, boy. So, well, I think you need a little more preamble.
0: Uh, Okay. So, the 10 laws are... Things such as...
1: It's the hunter-gatherer's code of 10. My friend Court Johnson uses this in his life as like, hey, if I have these things covered, then the rest of the stuff is probably okay.
0: Always see the dangers first.
1: Oh boy, here we go. Always uh, see the dangers first. Always protect your feet. Always, always be know, ready for cold. Always, always be, be ready, ready for, for heat. heat. Always know where good the water or No, hold on. Always be, know where <laughs> good water or source
0: Always master the skills necessary. Always rest whenever you can. Well, you always disallow foolishness. I didn't know there was an order. Did I get ten?
1: Yeah, you, you didn't. But there's also um, <laughs> always master the skills necessary. Always get the job done. Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always
1: dislove foolish foolishness. Mm-hmm. Always rest whenever you can. So
0: those are his. We got them all. Ten out of order. Laws? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel like they need to be in order. They're well, not ranked.
1: You know court, and he does True. each one to a different okay, finger. Okay, right. You know, and so yes. like if this ring finger on his left hand is like sore. It's like it an indication something. that particular law number four. Mm-hmm. It's a muscle testing thing.
0: Court is a mystic and uh, one of my most favorite beings on the planet. Thank you for introducing me to him. Oh, yeah, man. I love I love our time with him. Um, so that's his. Yeah. And if you had a few, what would mm-hmm. yours be?
1: Well, I've adopted some of those. Yes. Um, Definitely always disallow foolishness is one of my favorites because when I'm around people being foolish or so forth, it's my way of saying like, it's my job to like get away from this. Foolish
0: as defined as?
1: Well, it can be a lot of things. Um, Being an idiot, uh, being a jackass, being disrespectful, being loose with their energy, could be a lot of things. But it's kind of this general foolishness. So
0: always disallow foolishness. for you, identity. you don't want to be around jackasses. And <sighs> well, I want to be a jackass. Okay.
1: So yeah. It's like that helps. <laughs> it's like who you surround yourself with.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, my other ones, um, you know, it's funny. I've never like written things down and made them into sort of immutable sentences, but I think it has something to do with um, definitely getting the job done. Like I see a lot of the stuff I do as little bricks, like every day it's a little brick. So it might just be a half an hour, whether it's a practice or I'm mostly speaking about creative things like working on a record or or any of these things. And they're all little bricks as opposed to I'm going to work on this for 14 hours today and I'll do that for a month straight and then burn out. That's not me. I'm like the consistency and that discipline, but not being overdone about. It. Like I, I like having a balanced day Mm-hmm. In life, like we have dinner in and then we relax after that. That's to me almost more respectable and it's about the long game. And that's there's something in there for a law for me about the long game. Like, yes. Do do your little bricks. I don't know. Lay the bricks.
0: Do your I little bricks. This. I wanna write these <laughs> I
1: wanna write these down now and try to come up with they represent the I would say
0: remote. I could reflect to you that one would be play the long game.
1: Lay the bricks, play the long game. I'm gonna I work on this. This is good. Lay the brick. I like that. Lay the brick. That's like chopping the wood, but it's more like the creative things. Um, you know, shedding is another word for rehearsal. And so doing my shedding every day or most days is really important for me. Is that me. a
0: form of bricklaying?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's other things that can be bricklaying inside this whole music business. It might be more mundane, like creating the newsletter or, you know, whatever. It might not just be music creation. Right, um, and that's what you can get lost in. Is what about like a, thing.
0: another like overarching life?
1: Tell the truth. Okay. And that's that's been a tough one for me, and it's more recent and more like deeper and deeper nuance to that. Like what that means, it's not so simple. Well, I should say it's very simple, but it's not always so clear. Like tell the truth to, inside my head to myself, but in yes. what where, ways am I not? How am I lying to myself? And like,
0: do you feel like is you there do? A
1: truth quest, you know, quote unquote, so to speak.
0: That's, do you feel like you do lie to yourself? Do you catch yourself like, oh,
1: that sure. Wasn't I quiet. mean, I try to do it less and less. I mean, I just try to be honest. It's more actually about like telling the truth is something to do with self compassion, like you were saying before about self love. Because they're in some ways, they're all these are all those words dancing around my head. So Mm -hmm. it's more about a feeling of like, just let it go, Mm -hmm. all of it, and just accept and love. And that's sort of telling the truth, in a way. The truth is just pure love.
0: The truth is you're perfect already. You are, you are good enough. You are lovable. Doggone it. You are lovable. Just like you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I've never thought about it how we're talking about it now. And I think that's a really, interesting revelation i'm having in this moment about like the truth is is actually more about how you just love yourself and witness yourself Mm
0: -hmm.
1: with no thought just kind of holding yourself with a tenderness that you'd hold a small baby or a child
0: absolutely
1: what else is there to do
0: and others in that way too
1: and then you fall out of it and and then you fall back in and it's like that's the whole thing too with telling the truth is the lie is that uh, you just forget, that's all. And that's not a bad thing. It's like, that's inevitable.
0: It is inherent in the game.
1: And it's the compassion that I hope to have as I fall back in.
0: Do you feel like it's possible to forget less and less? I hope so. Are you forgetting less and less?
1: I think this idea we said about fake it till you make it in a way. Uh huh. It's like, yeah, things become habitual. They do. And the more, my, if I have a goal, is that every moment of my wakingness is awake, so to speak, is-
0: is Conscious, s- choice. And
1: seeped in love and awareness. the The witness is always witnessing. I'm never asleep and being like totally forgetting. And that's happening more and more and more and more over the years, for sure. And that's when like the mundane- as you said, is simple. What'd you say? Is simple becomes spiritual or something?
0: If like, it's simple, it's true or something like that. Yeah.
1: and the, So and spiritual. the simple things for me become completely imbibed with God. Yes. And then that's probably why I don't smoke as much weed as I did in my thirties because I don't Wait, need Wait, you're it. not 30? Huh? <laughs> no, no. Cause I'm
0: in, <laughs> I'm 20 now. You're a sexy 42. That's what you are.
1: Just turned 42.
0: Don't look a day over 32.
1: Well, oh, thanks. It's all good. But uh, um,
0: yes, you're saying
1: if that's any goal, it's that. And I have been feeling that more and more. And I can hope that just gets richer and deeper. I, you're not running from things as much because there's nothing to run from. And I've been thinking a lot about that phrase, like there's no out and that's really I don't know why that's hitting me now. I know it's just a phrase, but if you really think about the idea that like even when imagine let's like say you never
0: it's you're not gonna escape anything.
1: Well imagine this. Let's say you let's say you die and then immediately you wake up and you're and you're, exa- you're just continue and you're like, Are you fucking kidding me? Like there's literally no, there's literally there's nowhere to go.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, you're freaking me out because I've had this uh, physical sensation before. And then you think, oh my god, like
1: then why wouldn't I try to reduce my suffering and peel back all these layers? Because that's the only game in town and me not doing it is the suffering. Yes.
0: It's yes. suicide. You're just postponing There's, no it. Out.
1: There's no out. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: really hit me
0: mm-hmm.
1: every time I'm thinking about that. I'm just like, and that for some reason starting to make a lot of sense.
0: And it feels like it makes you stronger, right? Does it give you more fortitude?
1: And it makes me a little scared because of the the, the sterility of the realization.
0: I I guess I feel stronger it's, in it's it. Because it's so
1: true. Like, there's nothing to argue with. There's not someone's judgment. It's like, what if that's the... Actually, I feel it. I'm like, oh, that's the way it is. Holy shit. I kind of like, you sensed that before, but really feeling it and holding the truth of that is like, oh my God.
0: Somehow it inspires me to be, to get busy and to like...
1: Inspires me to be bigger, yeah. And just be like, well, just do it. Ex- so to speak. Yeah. just don't worry. And mm-hmm. the worry parts, it's
0: pointless. The other piece to it, too, that I sense is when you do that, then you're creating this field, personal fields. And so this personal field of you that's in alignment gets bigger. So as you're interacting with others in the world, it's more your field that's creating the experience versus being at the um, whim of other people's fields and energies. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does make sense. I think. I mean, I hear what you're saying. It's great. It's this idea of- And uh, then
0: let's say it's in alignment with this feeling of positivity, compassion, self-love, connection. Then you're giving that to others just by your presence.
1: Yeah. I think this is an important little nuanced point to make uh, about, was it, is it the law of attraction kind of stuff? I think it's missing half the point. It's sort of like, yeah, you're the ship. And I say this a lot at the concerts where you pick the direction you want to go in the ship with your hands on the wheel, whether you like it or not. You don't control the sea. So, but you're not a victim because right. it's like you're making your choices. And yes, things are reverberating back, but it's not as simple as like, well, if I just think this thing then that comes, it's like, that's an isolated incident mm-hmm. or isolated viewpoint.
0: And I'm not saying that.
1: I'm not saying you are. Okay, great. I'm just saying like you're bringing up something like I want to make that point. So I don't feel like I'm espousing the law of attraction.
0: You're not, even espousing though it has truth in it,
1: probably.
0: <laughs> It's it's not. I don't see it as a law of attraction. I feel I see it as a law of creation. Like mm, what that's am I great. creating? Mm-hmm. I'm working on the creation of myself and by, in turn, creating my experience and my perception of the world, the clearer I can become internally, the clearer I witness and interact with the rest of the world and my experience of life is then that.
1: Well, you are a master at this from my own perspective and a master of manifestation and karma. And I keep I tell you that all the time because I see how you give so much to people and people are constantly giving so much to you.
0: I think you have a grander view of that than
1: the true. I think you don't. Maybe you have a lesser <laughs> view of the truth. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, if anything, I'm just able to see it how it unfolds. You don't see it that often. So witnessing it so see close what? and firsthand. Um, the law of manifestation being like basically really good karma and being so giving. And how how much that gives you back in your life. And... It's very selfless for you, like I think you're excited about it. You just give people stuff, mostly your time and ideas and energy, but and it works works for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's not like a method I'm using it's I know it's that it's that very comes. natural
1: for you, and you know what maybe through your podcast, I have a feeling it's gonna be that same thing an extension that where you're giving to others your time and your energy or your of platform, and it's probably gonna most likely, continue to give back to you, because,
0: <laughs> and it, then by you, by proxy, to you, by okay. proxy. Well, I hope so. It's a beautiful circle. Thank you for helping me get it started.
1: Well, this is great. Thanks for talking. Um, so
0: we'll do this again.
1: This would be the part where you're like, "How can people find you?
0: How can people <laughs> find you? Tell, tell us what you're up to. You
1: can't. Yeah,
0: we can't find you.
1: It's really His phone easy. Phone number
0: is six <laughs> seven six
1: East Forest East East Forest. <laughs> Just Google that. Put that into the machine. We're on all the platforms and all the stuff.
0: It's eastforest.org.
1: Wherever you like to listen to music. And come to one of our retreats.
0: Yeah, we have a retreat coming up in Boulder, Utah uh, at the end of September. And we'll have another one at Esalen in May. And if you're listening to
1: this in the future, there's probably more. God willing, and that the earth is still spinning. Peace out.